Boy, it's a, it's a white you. knuckler, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Yeah, you, you know, you wear a lot of hats in this film. Uh, which hat do you enjoy? The producer, the director, the writer, or, or, the, uh, or, or an action star? You know, it's such a hard uh, question to answer because they, they all kind of inform each other and they're all, you know, deliciously fun in their own way. But I would say right now the directing is the front runner and then writing an action star would be a close <laughs> second, real, really close second. You know, it's hard to pick. Is it, is it tough to direct yourself? Um, no, I, I, I would say no. And, it, and also I had the luxury of being able to play, you know, the rogue the quintessential role character that, that, you know, innately in and of itself, being loose, being a little flippant actually works for the character, uh, which, you know, I kind of uh, designed, so to speak, knowing that I was going into this movie directing it. It must be fun playing a smart ass. Yeah, it's fun <laughs> because I, I, I get to, to say what I, I don't get away with in real life, right? So. <laughs> Depends on, on if you're a smart ass in real life, too. Well, no, no, I, I'm not a smart ass in real life, but I do have a, a mischievous sense of humor. And, and you write that way, too. Where did you get the idea for the story of, uh, of Bulletproof? Because it seems to be very intricately written. It's, it's very intricately written. I, mean, um, I wrote the script with Danny Mack and Cooper Bebo, and we took a year. It was basically all of 2019. And um, I mean, first and foremost, you know, we were like, we want to make a popcorn film, want to mm -hmm. make an action film. You know, I was really thinking about audience first and then also going, OK, well, what do I want the audience to feel and what do I want their experience to get to that conclusion of their feeling leaving the theater? And I wanted a lot of movement, you know, and a chase film lends itself to that. And so once we knew, you know, that kind of spine to the story, we started building the characters around it. It actually came really easy. Vinny has such a, uh, a great range. I mean, he can do comedy. He can do this. He, you know, he plays the bully really well. Uh, and I've worked with him in the past on a couple of things here in Utah. Um, and I was, I was blown away by his performance in this because he's, it's a different kind of bad guy for him. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's why I thought Vinny was phenomenal in the role. I always wanted him for that because he can play that menacing character very well. But I needed somebody who also had empathy and heart and a bit of a softer side, but not play into it too much where then all of a sudden it became cheesy and it just doesn't quite work. It's got to be bubbling on the, on the inside. This movie seems to have its roots in some of those great 70s action films. I was thinking like, it, it's not an exact thing, but it's like, it gave me the feel like I, when I saw Cobra for the first time. Oh, you know, with Rutger Hauer and Stallone. And it, it just had that kind of, you know, give and take between the good guys and the bad guys. Well, I didn't specifically reference Cobra, but that's a great film because it's within, it's within the elk of, of everything. I mean, we were looking a lot at... You know, the original Lethal Weapon movies, oh, yeah. Indiana Jones, uh, Mad Max movies, you know, I, all those classic bad boys. You know, we watched, we looked at a lot of like the rock Michael Bay movies that had those, you know, stakes that were, you know, true, deep and believable, but were able to execute with some levity because you want people to have fun, you know, especially in a summer film. 
Yeah, I mean, it goes back to when we were kids and watching movies where we would, you know, go to the theater on a hot day, you know, get some air conditioning and some popcorn and just e- either be on the edge of our seats or laugh our butts off. Mm-hmm. And the same way, you know, you kind of want you want kids to watch the movie, go outside, jump on their bikes and just start racing down the road. Right. It's so, <laughs> I think you hit the nail on the head. I've been wanting to I want to tap into that innocence. And, and you've done a great job in doing that, uh, you know, and writing something like this is not an easy task. I mean, it's it's as a writer, do you do you guys get together and do you stand up and act out the scenes, you know, in, in the writer's room, so to speak? No, we didn't actually do any standing up and acting and uh, acting. It was um, a lot more of just discussion hmm. of ideas and uh, for me personally, I'm just very visual. So a lot of the, anytime I was rewriting a scene or shaping it, I was doing it going, okay, what's the most visual way in order to, to bring this to life? And I was really using that to inform it. I was thinking in shots and edits uh, because I, I uh, my director stage quite early on. Mm. You know, I want to talk about uh, another character in the film and that's the musical score. It is just spot on. Oh, I'm so happy that you think that. Um, that's a very good friend of mine. Ben Peaver is his name. Who did the score. And I've used or collaborated with Ben on three or four films now. And I think he's just, he's an un, undiscovered talent. And it was a tremendous joy to work with him. It, it played so perfectly. I mean, it, what a talented guy extremely talented yeah i can't wait to tell him that you said that right i want to work with him on every single film that i do and and putting all the pieces together is it a lot like herding cats i mean do you do you go a little nuts uh when you're when you're doing a production like this yeah you certainly can uh if you're not prepared enough so i i was fortunate to have a fantastic team and we did a lot of prep like a lot of shot listing the edit was planned beforehand and of course we changed things on the day but um, I think it's just, it's an immense amount of concentration. So the more prepped you are, the more you can really be on point and present. And as long as you're prepped, you can wrangle those cats. Cause there were a lot of cats, you know, all over the place <laughs> there. We, you know, we'd be running five to six cameras at once and, and not just people, you know, handheld or whatever. We'd have them on drones flying by as one's on an arm car. And then someone's on a handheld and we got a steady cam going. And then we, mounted a camera on like a little RC cart that we were like driving past people. It was chaos, total chaos. Your, your stunt team is really good too. Yeah. Peacemaker Filmworks is an amazing company. I, um, you know, I still kind of tickle myself that I got a chance to have them as a producing partner because, you know, they've done action sequences and like both Sonic the Hedgehog movies. They've done like, you know, Robocop. They did after Ghostbusters Afterlife. It's pretty incredible. So I, I kind of feel, felt like I was um, a kid in a candy store. Yeah, and it adds to the realism of, of the film because again, it's a suspension of belief mm-hmm. in any movie, but this seemed to really, really work on all, you know, all cylinders. Well, I really wanted to do everything practically. And, it's, and, and that wasn't even um, you know, a function of budget or anything like that. I wanted to do something that was palpable. I mean, that's why Tom Cruise is the best in the world because he'll actually go and strap himself to a side of the plane. So I feel like when you do stuff like that, it makes it real. 
for the audience. Are, are do you consider yourself a stunt person as well because of, uh, or, or no, I'll, I've done a lot of the, the physical acting in the film and I got a chance to do, you know, some driving. I did a Rockford, um, but by no means am I ever going to take away from uh, my phenomenal stunt team. You know, Olivier Lunardi is, you know, mm. my, my fight stunt double and he took a lot of hits. And then Ryan Ennis, who was also the second unit director, he was my stunt driver uh, double. And um, those guys are crazy crazy good dangerous so yeah <laughs> and yet they drive home at the speed limit so it's uh they're they're very cautious people i think <laughs> yes absolutely that's what i'd like to believe yes. in our in our final moments we have what do you think audiences are going to take away from bulletproof oh i think that they're gonna be pleasantly surprised with how much fun it is and i really want them to come out and feel like they got just you know like a nice warm hug because I think the, the film has, you know, some heart to it. It really does. And, and I think it should be seen on a big screen. You know, uh, you know we, live, we live in this age where people are waiting for it to come home so they don't have to leave. But I think this needs to be seen on the biggest screen possible. Uh, thank you for saying that. I couldn't agree more because we shot large format. It's got a grand feel when you're, when you're watching it on the big screen. And it's operatic. It's got big emotions that are going to play well in the theater, too. Uh, and Bulletproof 2, uh, that's uh, in, the, in the works. <laughs> in the works, my friends. But that's it. That's all I can say. <laughs> so it's going to be a whole franchise, you know. And, and uh, If I could be lucky, yeah, absolutely. And you'll always be the sarcastic thief, no matter what you do. We'll see. Hope, maybe there's some character growth, you know. <laughs> yeah, probably. You can write it that way. Uh, anyway, uh, you know. James, it's such a, a pleasure to meet you. And and wow, what a film. Really, honestly, what well, a film. Thank you. Well, the pleasure is mine. I had a real joy talking to you. Thank you. And you have a wonderful day. Yeah, you too. Take care. Bye-bye.